so I think this is this is probably where we get into like this is this is an interesting moment in British history because I think Little Britain it like we've sort of covered the fact that it is there's no getting around it it is very offensive there's a lot of yeah. very offensive stuff in there and then it's also like a very like Blairite era document call it that yeah exactly and I think also what what is so indicative of that area in in uh, sort of that era in Britain if you like is how it's very oblivious I think. And I think this is the the one thing where I do like at least partially believe like Matt Lucas, especially when he talks about it, which he doesn't often, because Matt Lucas actually has come out and apologized for a lot of the yeah. stuff, which is more than you can say for David Baddiel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think it, like, and and I think one of the things he said is that like they kind of didn't really understand like the extent to which, which is baffling. Right. When you think about it. But I think this does resonate having grown up in Britain in that era like Britain is. And I think even if you've grown up in America, which is like it's a really fucking racist country. But by and large, if you're being racist in America, you're kind of doing it with some sort of understanding of like. And I think an, an amazing quantity of people in Britain and certainly like me at that age, definitely growing up in like the home counties is extremely white. Like, yeah. And I think that kind of like. I don't know, like a, a lack of awareness about race, especially, is something that you'll notice a lot in like British stuff and especially British stuff of this era where it's kind of come out of like the 70s and 80s where you'd get more stuff that's like it's very deliberately being racist because it's like racism is good into this era of like, oh, oh, is that racist? And it's like looking back on it, you're like, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> but, Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's something that's like it's important to wrap your head around like it. it like, I think Britain is like it's a country of like deep obliviousness, particularly about race, but about a lot of other stuff as well. Something that's interesting to me is that I grew up primarily in a white flight suburb of Indianapolis. Uh, I moved there when I was 11 and then I stayed there until I went to university and I went to university in the state of Indiana. So I spent most of my life. It, I've got I've got about, uh, well, seven more years to live abroad before I'll have, or really anywhere before I'll have mm. lived in one place longer than um, where I lived in Indiana. So I can feel like I can speak to Indiana pretty decently. And I would say that there was definitely a, an obliviousness or rather a kind of um, uncaring, mm. affected obliviousness towards being sensitive to mm. race. But I don't think there was ever a moment when people weren't cognizant of it. Yeah, Like, I remember this very clearly. My uh, 11th grade physics teacher was the only black teacher I had ever at my high school. My high school had 3,600 students, and I think we had maybe 60 or 70 kids who were black. And uh, most of them were either their parents were like professionals, like they were like doctors or professors at Butler University, or they were from a part of the north side of Indianapolis that had been annexed into Carmel. But like right. Carmel was fully a white flight suburb. So like the reason why there weren't very many black kids was because... Mm black people weren't allowed to move to Carmel like well into the 70s. Mm. No one would sell them houses. Like uh, it, Marion County where Indianapolis is did busing for a while and like a flood of white parents left Marion County if they could afford to so that their kids wouldn't have to go to school with black kids. So like that's all very deliberate. But anyway, my, my, my uh, 11th grade physics teacher was, was black um, and uh, he had been an aviation engineer and then he had been in the Peace Corps and he decided to become a teacher. And I remember very clearly when they were doing an announcement because we had um, it was pretty normal for kids to drive to school there because there yeah, was sure. you know there was no public transportation and school buses sucked and it was a really long ride so like if you lived close it was much easier to just drive, um, and we had one main lot and then we had a lot basically in the around the back of the the football stadium because mm -hmm. of course being a big American high school in the Midwest we had a football stadium yeah and um, 
kids called that the ghetto lot because it was the furthest lot away. Mm. Now, it became so normalized to call it that, that people would make announcements over the intercom for like, oh, yeah, this happened. We're having a meeting in the ghetto lot. And I remember Mr. Thomas just being like, ghetto lot? Like, what? Like, he wanted to say, what the fuck are you saying? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, obviously, he couldn't say that in a room full of white kids. Mm. But like, I could just see that. Like, and it's like, it, that was the first time it dawned on me. Like, oh, yeah, we're using ghetto to mean shitty because we say that about where we make black people live in this country. Like it dawned on me in that moment. Like there's so much about what we do here. That's very obviously being racist. Like it just like, Mm. like, like it's so baked into shit, Mm. but like it would be very, very difficult for a show like little Britain, even in the tame version Mm. to get through on American TV, because Mm. I think both there would be more awareness and the fact that it would generate outrage. And I think that Mm. the impression I get is that even in the early 2000s on American TV, doing something like this Mm. would probably have hurt them more than it helped in terms of them losing advertising because people would get mad because obviously we have ad-funded TV and stuff like that. And so... Yeah, well, this show in America would be like perfectly calibrated to piss everyone off because it would be like the fact of like doing like, yeah, like the gay representation, even in a homophobic way, sure. would be offensive enough for the right. And then all the other stuff would obviously be offensive for the obvious reasons. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And when I, when I think back on that era, like I wasn't the most avid TV watcher, but like even Will and Grace having like gay people kiss was a thing that didn't happen to like the mid 2000s. Like the yeah, idea yeah. of gay representation being shown in any way, like, it's pretty recent in America. And so I guess I just look at this and I'm sort of like, how the fuck did this get made? And like, what's the story behind it? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, th- I think it is just kind of the story of like obliviousness. I mean, I think that like the, the whole thing with um, Matt Lucas and David Williams is fascinating because they were just everywhere for a while. I think there was like an era in British comedy, which you can see has like definitely ended now, where... Um, they were just kind of throwing shit at the wall. Like, it, they were just giving loads of people series. And, like, weirdly, it's indicative of, like, a better time in comedy commissioning. Although, obviously, some of the stuff it produced. But, um, like, the way in which, like, you know, guys could, like, come out of, like, university comedy, basically. And, like, get into stuff at the BBC and be allowed to, like, make stuff. Um, and that that just doesn't exist anymore, really. Like, there's not the budget for any of that stuff. Or, like... They kind of make like everything's made by the algorithm now, right? So like there has to be like nine different shows that are all are, like satellite to the Great British Bake Off, and there has to be nine different satellite shows to Love Island and whatever, because it's like whatever like can juice the viewership the most. TV is a dying medium, whatever, and then it's all kind of sewn up by like agents and production companies and like what they can sell and whatever. Whereas like this was kind of, I think there was this era where like particularly at the BBC they were doing like quite like headstrong commissioning and stuff. So I mean. I suspect probably the story of how this got made is surprisingly like uh, random. Like I suspect a producer at the BBC decided because I think it started on Radio Four and probably decided, oh, like Matt Lucas and Dave Williams, I like them, I'll give them a series because it was around the time they started BBC Three, um, which was supposed to be the kind of like the wacky BBC channel where they did new stuff in comedy, particularly. And so yeah, they were kind of right place at the right time to make a really bad TV show. <laughs> And this show was actually pretty popular, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a thing that people watched. I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to sit here and pretend that I had excellent taste as a teenager because I definitely did not. Um, but this was one of the things where, like, I definitely did watch it. Sure. Um, but I don't. It wasn't something that I like particularly liked. Like, there were definitely, and I mean, um, I think this came out in the discussion we were having on Twitter a bit earlier. Like, there are like 
there are like flashes in it of like stuff that's funny or good. Like, I mean, the um, again, this wasn't in this episode, but like there, there was a recurring sketch where it's like someone trying to get something done at like a bank or whatever. And then like the customer service person is just going like, no, nah, the computer says no. 